The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. The world of sport has given us hundreds of metaphors to live by. We aim to be up to scratch, a safe pair of hands, have a game plan. So whether it's an emotion, a dilemma or a victory you need to express, sporting idioms will always knock it out of the park. Well, that's an extract from Susie Dent's book, Interesting Stories About Curious Words, from Stealing Thunder to Red Herrings. Uh, The book is a testament to Susie's relentless curiosity for language. And Susie joins me on the line. Susie, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Lovely to speak to you. Where did this curiosity come from? (laughs) I wish I knew. I always feel that um, words somehow found me rather than the other way around because um, one of my earliest memories is just sort of um, puzzling over ingredients on ketchup bottles or, um, you know, any. I was just drawn to the printed word and I'm still like that today. Um, So I can't really explain it, but um, I'm just so glad it happened. And you're curious, not just in the English language, um, you are very fond of German. I love German. Uh, I know it has uh, quite a sort of tricky um, reputation. People think it's a very guttural language and a very ugly one. Um, But it can also be intensely lyrical and it's very sort of deep and dark and and I love it. So German was actually my first love and I only came to English and the origins of English words much, much later in my 20s. Mm. It's always seemed a a curious and wonderful thing to me that uh, words for beautiful things sometimes are beautiful words. And the one I'm thinking of particularly is butterfly. What a lovely word in English, but uh, schmetterling in German, papillon <laughs> in French, and in Irish, feilchoin. Yeah. Oh, uh, beautiful. They're lovely, lovely sounding words for a lovely thing. Yeah, they really are. And um, I know a lot of people, when it comes to um, butterfly, they think, oh, it comes from flutter by, which is an equally lovely story. Um, the, the origin may be just a little bit more prosaic in that um, it's quite possible that they are often butter coloured, you know, the sort of common uh, yellow butterflies that we see. But it, you're right, it just sounds beautiful. Um, same with dragonfly. I mean, dragonfly is such an expressive, evocative term, isn't it? And in German, it's libella, which just, um, you know, just is so smooth and and flows off the tongue. Uh, So, yeah, I think um, there are so many richnesses and so many comparisons between different languages and often connections too. We use words every day and we have no clue really uh, as to their origins. I mean, maybe last weekend you had a hangover. Where did that come from? Yes. Well, there's a lovely story attached to that. And um, and, and that actually is that um, in the olden days, people would uh, provide various um, degrees of comfort to those who'd been drinking too much. So you could go uh, to a hall, for example, and you could um, you, you could pay a little bit of money, it is said, to um, to have a, a, a seat and then a rope over which you could sort of hang over your, your um, you know, your body and then go to sleep. Um, and, and they did exist actually. They are recorded. George Orwell recorded them as well and out in Paris. So, um, they did exist, but we think that hangover is actually more to do with, you know, the, the effects that hangover from the night before, for which you might need a hair of the dog, which I think I also put in the book, which goes back to a very strange belief that if you'd been bitten by a dog, uh, you could uh, heal yourself by running after the dog and plucking a hair from its body as if uh, and then making a poultice with that hair, putting it over the wound and it would it would heal much more quickly. And so the idea then is that a little bit of the dog that bit you, a little bit of the alcohol that caused such pain will actually um, relieve your symptoms. Now, many people will be at this moment be enjoying a cappuccino and they'll think yes. that's just the Italian for a, a milky coffee with a little bit of chocolate <laughs> spread. But there, there is a reason for its name. 
Yes, it goes back to the Capuchin uh, monks of the Franciscan order whose habits were the same colour as the coffee that we drink. So um, the, the colour of their habits, which was a sort of milky brown colour, as you say, Pat, that inspired the name Cappuccino because it reminded people of um, yeah of, of, their, of their habits, which is extraordinary, really. Now, there's a great chapter called Egg Corns, and uh, there's one <laughs> of them that has been used by a former uh, Taoiseach, a former leader of ours, uh, who would often refer to something as a damp squeeze. <laughs> yes. So um, I should explain to listeners that egg corns are slips of the ear. They're sort of mishearings that we're convinced are right because we've been thinking this most mostly all our lives. Um, and egg corn itself is from a mishearing of acorn, um, which kind of makes sense because, you know, acorns do look a little bit like mm-hmm. eggs in egg cups. And yes, a damp squid. Um, it actually is a damp squib and a squib was a type of firework. And of course, if it's damp, it's not going to fire properly. So um, it's, it's just not going to work, essentially. So a squib being a firework and a squid being uh, a marine <laughs> a creature. And <laughs> curled up, <laughs> this is one I, I haven't heard, but I can imagine it being said, curled up in the feeble position. <laughs> <laughs> yes, curled up in the feeble position. And there's another one which... Um, uh, which always makes me laugh is not lactose intolerant, but lactose intolerant, which uh, I think anyone who's skipped breakfast might understand if they get a little bit hangry. Um, but uh, also one that's really gaining traction actually is like a bowl in a china shop which sort of seduces the brain but but the you know the idea of it is lost and then there's a new kid on the block called malafors and these are blends of metaphors and malapropisms and they're things like well it's not rocket surgery um or or you could say i'll burn that bridge when i get to it Uh, and again you just sort of walk on by because you think oh yeah that's fine and then it's only when someone says hang on a minute that doesn't quite work that you realize what you've been saying there's one i love um in your egg corns going at it hammer and thongs <laughs> <laughs> yes hammer and thongs and you can sort of understand why people are doing this because um, sadly there aren't many blacksmiths on our streets these days so the hammer and tongs reference you know with, with which um, blacksmiths would work it's it's not so relevant these days um so hammer and thongs we know about thongs even though it doesn't really make sense um and another one is um people saying on tender hooks rather than on tenter hooks uh, because tenters, again, are not a daily sight for us. They were frameworks on which, um, or frames on which cloth would be stretched very tautly to dry in the open air. And when we are stretched or as tense as that cloth, we are on tenter hooks. But because we don't see them these days, tender hooks sort of make sense. And this is very much sometimes how English evolves. It evolves because, you know, the, the things with which we're familiar move on. And so we actually move our words on to match those. And there are so many experiences in the past that have given rise to phrases today, which, you know, we just don't know where they come from. I mean, if you annoy me and I give you short shrift, why have I (laughs) done that? Oh, yes, that's quite dark, actually. So to shrive someone um, centuries ago was to give them confession. And it was particularly to allow um, a prisoner about to eat to be executed, to confess their sins before they were killed. Um, And so a priest would come and um, necessarily have to give them a very short shrift. The shrift was the act of confession itself. Um, So it was not to give them very much time, um, which is why when we give someone short shrift these days, we, you know, we we just sort of move on. um, Yeah. Money. Why do Mm. they call 500 quid um, a monkey? 
Oh, a monkey. Well, that's because we think that um, some old notes that were that came over from um, from India, some rupees, had a symbol of monkeys um, on them. But you know, the language of money and the slang of money—it's one of the oldest categories of slang ever to be collected. It's very mysterious. There are quite a lot of words, like pony is another one. You know, lots of denominations where we're not completely sure how these words um, arose. But the detective work still goes on, so it's a lovely, lovely area to investigate. Now, language evolves, and I, and I think you. Can- kind of allow for that. You're not kind of tied to uh, what was always used and always said. I noticed that these days, many people, including broadcasters, will use presently instead of meaning shortly. uh, They use it as at the moment. Now, do you approve of that kind of evolution? Um, I don't mind it as long as it doesn't become confusing. Um, I find momentarily is going exactly the same way um, in that for some people, momentarily can mean um, you know, in a moment, I will come to you momentarily. Whereas actually, um, originally, I remember hearing it when I was in a plane and it said the plane will land momentarily. And I thought, what's well, going to take off again afterwards? Um, because, um, originally it sort of meant, you know, f- temporarily and then it were, and then it will revert to its normal state. So I think if there's, if there's any chance of confusion, it's, best to um, avoid these things. But again, it is very much how language will evolve. But it's all about getting your message across in as articulate a way as possible. My my wife, Cathy, uses a word which she's invented herself, but I think it's a very good one, uh, deceivious, which is a mixture of (laughs) devious and deceitful. And I think it's very good. I love that. I love that. And uh, one of the snapshots of of evolution in language, in uh, action really, is uh, mischievous becoming mischievous for so many people if i talk to um school children for example over 90 percent of them will say mischievous because they are rhyming it in their heads or matching it with devious which is a much more familiar word for them than anything ending in ivus um and so language is moving on again because we are finding patterns and molding it to suit our ears um better and again yeah a big part of uh, of evolution happens that way um someone uh, people are li- texting in in their droves. What about the proof of the pudding rather than the proof of the pudding is in the eating? Yes, yes. Oh yeah, people say the proof is in the pudding. (laughs) The proof is in the pudding. Uh, Yes, and also uh, if you think about head over heels, you sort of think, well, that's the normal state of affairs, isn't it? When we're standing up, that's head over heels. But it actually started off as heels over head. But for some reason, we flipped it. So a lot of our Idioms seem to be a bit nonsensical. Um, to have one's cake and eat it, again, seems completely feasible, doesn't it? You have your cake and then you eat it and, and that's absolutely fine. Um, but I think originally it was to eat your cake and have it. In other words, that's an impossible uh, situation. So it's quite funny how we change things and we lose the logic along the way, but we don't always consider it. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, it's very interesting to look at. Well, we I, I hope, Susie, you're not going to upset the apple tart. <laughs> the apple tart. <laughs> That's been no, used it will be staring back at me. I love that one. Yeah. Uh, no, oh, I hope not to. I know you have a busy day ahead with Countdown and all the rest, but the, the final thing is that a new generation uh, will use the term Catch-22, never having read Joseph Heller. Yes, that's very true. And, uh, you know, I just hope that etymology is such a fun occupation. And 
Thankfully, uh, it is actually being introduced into the curriculum as a good way of learning spelling because um, the spelling of our language is so gnarly. It's so tricky. But for beautiful reasons, we've had so many influences uh, over the centuries coming to bear upon it. So actually, if we learn the stories behind these silent letters, for example, uh, we can grasp them much better. So, uh, yes, with Catch-22, I can only hope that even if people aren't reading the Joseph Heller novel, that they are actually learning the etymology of it and, and you know, knowing that it actually comes from this literary creation. One of my listeners has given me the ideal phrase to say thank you for coming on the programme. It's a, her fab German saying, could be a man, mind, mind you, uh, which is Gelb vom Ei, meaning literally the yellow of the egg or excellent, Susie. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, vielen Dank. <laughs> uh, I'm very, very happy about that. Yeah, that's a brilliant one. It's a terrific book. Interesting stories about curious words. It's published by John Murray. It's in a, a lovely hardback presentation at its author, Susie Dent. Thank you very much for joining us on the programme. Thank you so much for having me on, Pat. Take care. Bye. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.